Growing up in Iowa, it won't surprise you to know I didn't have much of a rooting interest in professional sports because <laughs> there weren't any. I had to settle for learning perseverance and character development <laughs> going to Iowa State games. And if you've ever gone to an Iowa State game, you need no explanation as to what I'm talking about. But suffice it to say, you know, occasionally there were bright spots, but mostly it was loss and tears and gnashing of teeth. So, you know, pro sports weren't even on my radar. But I had some friends that were straight up sports fanatics. In fact, I would say fanatics isn't even a strong enough word. We need something a little higher grade like mavens or zealots. Zealots. Oh, I like that. <laughs> oh, Very nice. Savants. These were guys that <laughs> knew the stats of every single player. And it sounded like they could probably coach a team pretty successfully on their own. Although those of us who are sports fans, we all think we could do better than the coach. But these days, many of us can do exactly that, virtually speaking, of course. Hey, everyone. Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, if you're still wondering what I'm talking about and why I'm babbling on about growing up in <laughs> Iowa, here's why. Today, we're going to talk about something a little bit different for Plugged In. We're going to talk about fantasy sports. We're going to dive into what it is, how somebody might get involved, why it's so appealing to sports fans, whether that's maybe you, dad, or, or mom. I don't want to <laughs> prejudge here, uh, or perhaps one or more of your children, and what some of the potential concerns might be when that passion for competition and stats gets, well, too passionate. And in our second segment today, we're actually going to split it in a couple of different directions. Our plugged in summer intern, Marcella Evans, is going to tell us about Minions, the rise of Gru. And Paul Acey is going to talk with us about Thor, Love and Thunder. And uh, Paul, personally, I'm excited to find out whether there's more love or more thunder or <laughs> whether it's relatively evenly balanced between the two. Well, before we plunge into what I think is going to be a really fun conversation about fantasy sports, I would encourage you to follow The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts. We would love it if you left a review for others because that helps people understand what we are and what we're talking about and, and hopefully gives them an opportunity to join us on future episodes of The Plugged In Show. Well, joining us for our first conversation today about fantasy sports are Bob Hoos, Jonathan McKee. Marcella Evans and Paul AC. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. All right. Well, I'm going to start with a softball question. <laughs> uh -huh. See what I did there? <laughs> the sports puns are going to be flying fast and furious today. So what is your favorite sporting event and or telecast memory from when you were growing up? So maybe it was something you watched on TV or maybe it was something that you were lucky enough to, to go participate in an experience in person. So I'm going to hit both, actually. Of course you with, are. With mine. Oh, man. Way back, way back in the dark ages, uh, the Avalanche, who just won a Stanley Cup, they were good about 20 years ago as well, and they were yeah. in the playoffs. Um, I went to a game, a baseball game, actually, in Coors Field. And the rain just Which started coming Which is in Denver, down, right? Right in, in Denver. Uh, 
Uh, the rains came down. They they postponed the game. They pulled out the tarps. The rain was going to come down for a couple of hours. But that same night, they were the the Avs were playing the Detroit Red Wings oh, in the playoffs. Oh, they hated Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> they showed it on the big screen monitor within the stadium. Oh, that's awesome! And so we got to watch almost the entire game while the rain was just coming down, just drenching us all. But we didn't care because it was an exciting game. The Avalanche won as soon as the game was over in it across the street. You know, in, in the Colorado Arena where it was taking place the rains vanished we got to watch the rest of the game we were there until about 1 a.m but it was fantastic all sports all the time man. all sports all the time <laughs> all right well mine would be uh actually something much more ancient i would back um back when i was a kid i first discovered the oakland a's yeah all right and this is when this is when they this is when they weren't a, a big team they were just sort of this up-and-coming baseball team right? yeah it was a baseball team and and i was from new york but i wasn't a fan of the yankees and but i spotted these oakland a's this little weird team at the time with their fancy colorful outfits and it caught my eye and I started watching, and then they went on to win the 72, 73, and 74 World Series back-to-back. Back. And, I mean, that was, wow. you know, an exciting adventure because it was like I was the first fan. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, there I was the little Bobby who was sitting in the That's stadium right. by himself. Rode them to Very victory. Much. Go, Oakland, go! Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Who's next? Marcella? My favorite sports watching memory is a little more obscure. I am big into the sport of softball. And every year over the 4th of July, the biggest softball tournament in the world is hosted in Colorado. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hundreds of people come in. So right now in Colorado, there is a ton of softball players that are in the state. Dozens. Dozens mm-hmm. of people. Dozens are. of people. <laughs> no, it's Dozens. genuinely, it's over 200 Tens. teams. So, oh, wow. so wow. many people. Wow. That's a lot of teams. Yeah, anywhere you go, you'll see softball players. Anyways, so they bring in a pro softball team to play for all of the girls that have come into the state. And so my whole softball team went together and we watched the pro softball players play, which was a unique opportunity because it's not a very big sport. So I really loved it. Wow. That's awesome. That's very cool. Did you ever have any ambitions of going pro, just out of curiosity? A little bit. I mean, I think every kid wants to be a pro athlete, but I definitely wanted to. I wouldn't have made any money, but it would have been fun. (laughs) (laughs) Jonathan? Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny. uh, Single event, probably not. I'm actually going to go with Monday Night Football. It's just Uh, something that was such, you know, we've talked. uh, Yeah, absolutely. And And our listeners recall the many times that we've kind of, you know, reminisced and talked about how, you know, when when we were children, how there was only three channels, four if you had a really good antenna. And, uh, you know, and, and literally and it was something we did on, on Monday night as a family. We gathered around the TV and, and Howard Cassell, Don Meredith. I mean, I, it was just it was amazing. And, and and I mean, I was I was a Broncos fan living in Illinois at the time. So I was like, Bob, you know, a New Yorker you know, that's a fan for the A's, yeah. but it doesn't make sense. But it was just one of those things that we, uh, we loved. We did as a family. Um, and if you had to go to the bathroom or something, Oh good commercial. Okay. Run out. Cause there was no, you know, <laughs> TiVo. There was none of that. You watched the commercials and, uh, uh, yeah, good, good, good times as a family watching Monday night football. Wow. That's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I don't think of myself as a very sports oriented person, but I've got enough things popping up in my memory that I'm also not sure 
what I want to pick. Um, I loved watching ABC's Wide World of Sports with Jim McKay. Oh yeah, on I believe Saturday or Sunday afternoons. Um, you know that the agony of defeat, that one guy who flies yeah, off the yeah. ski jump and his skis go all akimbo, and you know. But I'm not going to pick that. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with in. 1985, the University of Iowa football team was number one, and Michigan was number two. And of course, they're a, a uh, big ha- rivalry, hated rival. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a big game, and Iowa won 12 to 10 on a last second walk off field goal by Rob Houtland. And man, that was well one of the very few good sporting memories I have mm. <laughs> growing up in Iowa. Well, it's funny as we talk about this issue, I think we can see how sports really impact our hearts, right? We, we're, we're fans of teams. We identify with players. And I think that feeds into the bigger conversation that we're going to have today about fantasy sports. And, you know, some of you might be thinking, I thought Plugged In talked about entertainment and movies and stuff. Well, we are going to talk about two movies later. So if fantasy sports aren't your bag... Hold on, because Gru and Thor are coming for you. Um, We might not think of fantasy sports as falling into the entertainment category, but then again, if you know any obsessive sports fans, you know that it might be the most dominating screen-oriented influence in Mm -hmm. their lives. You know, you you can get these packages where you can watch 12 games at once, and you know, I just have this image of somebody sitting in their head twitching back and forth between screens. if you're that kind of person, sports is a big deal. And it definitely fills a huge entertainment spot in our hearts. And a lot of those people are naturally involved in fantasy sports as well. In fact, you might be surprised to know fantasy sports, which started in the 1960s, but obviously have become a bigger thing in the internet age. The internet really makes it possible in a way that it wasn't before. It's bigger than the domestic movie market. Right? It's amazing. I mean, it's a fifteen and, billion and, dollar a year industry, and growing, and growing, and growing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So this is a big deal. Uh, an estimated sixty million people play fantasy sports, and I have to confess that I cribbed that little factoid from a blog that our very own Bob Hoos wrote on this subject. Um, so, yeah. Bob, I'm going to pitch the first question <laughs> to you, and everybody yep. can weigh in on it. Um, for those who aren't familiar with fantasy sports, I mean, you've probably heard of it, but don't know what it is. Bring us up to speed. Okay. What, how does it, how does it work? What is it? And, and by the way, just as a little aside, I read one article recently that talked about um, uh, fantasy football alone. And they were estimating that this year there would be 75 million in just Fantasy oh, wow. football alone—that's wow. how—that's how quickly this is growing. It's like a quarter of our country. Yeah, it's it's essentially a, a collection of people like us, people that have uh, an affection for football or baseball or any sport really, and and these people gather together with like friends, and they have oh like an auction or a fantasy mock draft. And what and the goal is that they're going to be putting together their own rosters of teams, and it's not like like a regular draft where you're just going to the college players. It's it's a draft where you're picking your favorites from the f- actual teams that that so are like around. So like the us. NBA or pro yeah, baseball yeah. or so, football. So if you're playing fantasy football, it's it's all all of the teams together. You can choose any player from any team, and you can put them in your roster. 
And the goal is to, to, again, have this mock draft with your friends and everybody chooses and creates their teams with different players. And then it's, it's evaluated or scored by how well those players play any given week. Okay. So, you know, if you're, if you're watching baseball and you're counting statistics about uh, base hits or home runs or all that sort of thing, that all adds up to tell you who's on the top of the heap in terms of your group of friends. So, in essence, it's, it's taking that passion that you have for sports and that know-how you have and amplifying it. Because not only do you have to be aware of your own team, you know, somebody mentioned they were a fan of the, of the Broncos. Not only do you have to be aware of the Broncos, you have to be aware of all the teams and all the players and all the things they're doing yeah. because that all feeds into your team, your roster. Okay. It really is a fascinating thing. You know, I, I play a little bit of, of fantasy football myself. And, and what you say is and by absolutely a little bit, true. you mean like 10 teams? No, 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 no. I'm not nearly that rabid. Well, but, but see, the thing is, the interesting thing is that there are people who do that. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. not just one one league you're in. They can, yeah, be, yeah. They, can, they can be in four, five, ten. Well, and you have all these different wrinkles in different fantasy leagues that you can do. Some some leagues actually do pull them from the college ranks. And, they you know, you have these dynasties leagues that that you hold players for three, four, five, six years yeah. if you wanted to. Um, but what you say is really true. One of the things that, that I find most interesting about fantasy sports is that you do have to pay so much attention to what what the league as a whole is doing. And that can that can actually impact your fandom a little bit, right? I'm I'm also a Denver Broncos fan. I'm always rooting for the Denver Amen. Broncos to win. But sometimes if I have players who are playing against the Broncos, I want the Broncos to win, but I want the other team to score at least five or six touchdowns so that I can <laughs> accumulate the points, right? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? Because these are supposed to be team sports, but we uh, end up isolating on individual players. And I think for some people who are involved in fantasy sports, you might actually become more obsessed with individual players' performance than any given team. Well, and I think the thing that's interesting too is when we see people kind of that are really into the money part of it too. You know, yeah. they, they they they're in these betting pool kind of things. And and I I did this fantasy thing once where like you know we all dropped in ten bucks or something like that, and and whoever you know one is going to get the get the whole pile. I was like woohoo, you know. <laughs> and uh, it was actually I grabbed this you know young new quarterback. Uh, and I remember getting him, I got Mahomes his first year. And I was thinking, and, and so I was like doing really good and I had some good receivers, but I lacked a good running back and I was getting killed. And to me, I'm, I'm very, uh, I have, you know, incredible attention to detail. And I actually brought this friend of mine who's this incredible sports guy on to help me secretly <laughs> recruit my team. And so, I mean, I had, I had this amazing team. The thing that struck me is how much you cannot predict injury and like I had like my running back was like injured in like week two and 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 it messed me up for the whole season. And I thought and I, I remember just thinking because I had several friends that were really into it with betting and stuff. I thought, boy, you know, there's there's people losing a lot of money for something that's completely out of their control. Doesn't matter how smart you are. There's elements that are out of your control. And uh, to me, that's what I was 
struck by. But yeah, no, it definitely made me watch other games. I'm a Broncos fan, but I was watching Chiefs games to see how Mahomes did. You know, I was watching all these teams to see how my guys did, but I was just glad I hadn't invested a bunch of money in it. It's one of the reasons why we're talking about this now, yeah. right, is is the gambling aspect. How much money can be spent in these leagues? I mean, some of the stats that you brought, in, brought out in your blog, Hoos, were just incredible. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact is that there is generally some sort of entry level fee and even if you just spend that yeah. and you're in several leagues it could it could get up around $100 or more you know if you just just with the basics mm-hmm. but then you know even though um fantasy sports are not categorized as gambling they're, right, they're it's categorized not a game of chance right? it's a game of skill uh-huh. and so it's uh it's not categorized as gambling but it is you still can gamble yeah and you still can lose your shirt like jonathan was saying you depending on how things are going and and some people i think have a problem with that you know where they start start actually gambling on their team and end up losing quite a bit of money well, and, and we talked about it costs a bunch of money, but let's talk about something else. Let's talk about how much time it costs. No question. Because um, I do have several friends, and it's funny how we talk about, you know, boy, these guys, you know, they know everything about it. They're so obsessed with it. Well, I, in a way, a lot of us around the table are that way with movies, right? You know, we, <laughs> we, we could talk about every, we can name every Star Wars creature by name, you know, and like, well, actually, he had it rough because, you know, the snow creature's parents raised him like, you know, and, and we like go through the whole thing, right? But but, but the thing is, uh, you know, like I had a friend who was very much into to the games and and uh, he had a package where he could watch. And I'm like, oh, so so which teams do you follow? And he looked at me kind of silly and I'm like, what? And he basically told me, well, all of them. I mean, he literally he watched <laughs> every game every weekend. That's a time commitment, you know, and young people today average eight hours and 39 minutes a day of screen time. And a lot of adults are like, oh, those kids today. Um, most Nielsen numbers show adults over 10 hours. If you're a sports fan and you're watching every game every weekend, those numbers start to go up. And that means we're now looking at a device instead of looking into the eyes of our spouse or to our children. Yeah, uh, Jonathan is absolutely correct because I saw an article that was estimating that the average fantasy sports fan was spending somewhere around 18 hours a week. Wow. 18 hours. I mean, that, and, and it can go up from there, obviously. Right. That's depend, just the depending average. how passionate you are. And that's what these fantasy sports do. They basically, they draw us in and make us more passionate about the games that we love. Right. And, and you know, if, to a certain extent, you can say, well, that's, that's fine. That's good. Right. But, but as Jonathan was saying, if it's sucking away your time, it's like, it's like anything else. There was, there was a time not long ago when everybody was doing, uh, you know, online gaming. And everybody was consuming so much time, investing so much time in these games that it, that it stole away their life. Well, you can do that with any pursuit. Uh, that's entertainment. If you if you really want to invest that kind of time, yep. whether it's whether it's streaming videos constantly or playing fantasy sports, no, that's exactly right, Paul. I totally agree with everything that you and Jonathan have said. I think that that's absolutely right. You have to worry about the time. You have to worry about the money. But it, while fantasy sports, I'll just say this: while fantasy sports can definitely detract from your relationships. 
they can also augment your relationships. In so a yeah, say more about that. So the reason why I actually did fantasy sports to begin with is because, you know, I was, I, my, I was leaving a job and so there was a group that was doing a fantasy league and so it was a way to keep in contact with some of my friends from, yeah. from that former job or, or parents from my kids' soccer team. They created this league and so it became sort of a way to have a touchstone with some people who I yeah. really yeah. cared about in sort of an organic way. So all those things can be really, really uh, damaging to our relationships. And yet, if it's used correctly, it's it's like the entertainment sure. itself, right? right. It, it really depends on how you use it. Um, and, and I think that sometimes you can use those things to, to actually bring people closer together. Because sports itself is sort of like a group exercise anyway, when you stop and think about it. Right. We often enjoy it more when we're in a group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that emotion becomes contagious. Yeah, actually, the only fantasy sports I've been a part of really was a group through my youth group that was created <laughs> of fantasy football. And it was particularly oh, humorous because so many of us didn't care at all. There was, of course, those few boys that had everything memorized. And the girls that knew nothing always won, of course, you know, because <laughs> That's sports the way it are unpredictable. Often goes. But yeah, I've really remember that experience is interesting because I found myself a little invested in sports that I had previously no attachment to because you feel it personally. That's awesome. Well, it's funny when you, you know, think about what Marcella just shared and what Paul just shared, the, the, the fun aspects of, hey, here's some people that I would like to keep in touch with. I got to know them more. That's kind of the positive aspects that we see with social media, too. Yep. We hear people all the time talk about, hey, here's some friends from high school, and now this has enabled me to you know keep my relationship with them up. And now I know what's going on. It's, I now have a better relationship with grandma because I'm able to share pics with her that I wasn't, you know. And so there are those positives, but it really goes back to that that statement I always end up saying in my parent workshops is, you know, this device we carry around in our back pocket is a really fun device for connecting with people outside the room when it doesn't interfere with our relationships with the people inside the room. Yep. So again, it's, it's a great device for connecting with people outside the room when it doesn't interfere with our relationships with the people inside the room. Yep. And I agree with that. I think the one thing I want to add is maybe more so than some topics that we address, this may be one that parents or you know older people are dealing with more than young kids although i'm sure there are young kids that do fantasy football and fantasy sports as well but there's also the question of what we're modeling mm-hmm. you know if i'm a dad and i'm sitting on my couch or looking at you know a tablet or a phone some sort of screen device 18 hours a week what message am i sending to my family about what's most important mm-hmm. and i think paul as you said as with all entertainment there is uh, a context and a way for us to engage with it as a family that can be relationship building. It can be fun. It can be a bonding time. It can be a shared experience or it can go off the rails, right? It can become obsessive. And I think it's the nature of, of this one. If you happen to be fact and information oriented and and sometimes as guys, you know, we want to be the know-it-alls. We want to be, we want to be those mavens and those, what was the word you, zealots? Zealots. You know, we want to prove <laughs> to everybody we actually know more about this sport than anybody else. And and that can be a deep hole that, that ultimately maybe doesn't do our families any favors. So this is one of those times where I think as parents, we need to be paying attention to our own habits 
and understanding the influence it may be having on our family. Yeah, my dad actually allowed me and my sister each to pick one of his players every year. Oh, okay. So it was a thing that the family got involved That's in. That's awesome. Of course, we knew nothing. We picked based on haircut, but it was really, <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun family experience because he didn't take it seriously. So. I love that. And I love that as just a, a great example of how when we approach these things the right way, entertainment really can be a bonding and relationship building experience. Right. As long as we're paying attention to, you know, the other things that we've talked about today. So thanks, everybody. Well, in our second segment today, we're going to do something super fun. We're actually going to divide it into two mini segments because there are so many movies coming out right now in the sort of the heat of the summer that uh, we want to talk about them. So Marcella, you had a chance to see Minions, The Rise of Gru. And it seemed to kind of hint at a flashback origin story for uh, our our favorite pointy-nosed, bald-headed friend, Gru. Tell us what's going on in this fifth Despicable Me movie. Yes, of course. So we see Gru at age 11. He's kind of forming the beginning of his relationship with his minion henchman. And he's dreaming of his future supervillainous career. <laughs> and uh, he's really idolizing some of these supervillains that are actively um, doing evil right now. And so he wants to be a part of this group called the Vicious Six. So he submits his um, request to be a part of them. And we kind of see the chaos of him trying that. All right. You know, by the time we get to like the fifth entry in a given franchise, we have a pretty good sense of what we're dealing with. Is that the case here? I mean, are the kind of things that we've seen in the previous ones, things parents should be aware of. So what was good? What was bad? How does this compare to the first four movies in this franchise? Yeah, I'd say you get a lot of similar styles of humor. The minions messing up and getting hurt and losing their pants. Oh, yes. All of that fun (laughs) stuff. (laughs) You see a little bit of, um, humor directed at the adults in this one that kids wouldn't get it is set in the 70s so it has some fun references all right now i I had a quick question yeah uh in the first one i really enjoyed the relationship between Gru and his adopted daughters there was a sweetness there is there a sweetness to this film You see a little bit of that. There's a little bit of sweetness between Gru and a relationship he forms with an adult supervillain later on in the movie. So any last words for parents on this one? Is it pretty much, you know, what they'd expect to find here? I'd say it's pretty similar to what you'd expect going into a Minions movie. Some of the humor is really fun. You kind of see the uh, aspect of loyalty to Gru and to his minions, and you get a little bit of family values with that uh, unexpected chaotic humor. All right. So family values amidst unexpected chaotic humor. Actually, that sounds a lot like a day at the office plugged in now that I think about it. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Marcel. I appreciate that overview of Gru and hope that that is helpful for you as families if this is on your movie-going radar this summer. So in our second mini segment today, I am excited to talk to you, Paul, about Thor, Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder. I want to know, is there, I suspect there's more thunder than love, but I could be wrong. So oh, there's a lot of love too. All right. Maybe so, not necessarily the kind of love we would want. Ooh. Well, I guess we'll talk about that. We will. So what's the story and what do we need to know about Thor, Love and Thunder, which will 
probably be one of the two or three biggest movies of the year. I would yeah, think. it really could be. It really could be. Uh, this is, uh, again, the, the latest Thor movie by Taika Waititi, who, uh, as you know, has won an Oscar for Jojo Rabbit. He did Thor Ragnarok. He's a very funny, clever, He's, good director. Yeah, he knows how to tell a story that engages on like every level yes he does and essentially what we're dealing with here the big bad in this is a guy named gore the god butcher and if you were named gore you'd probably want to be a god butcher too yeah i mean his parents had to have been mean well speaking of parents he is a parent and his daughter dies despite his pleas to the god that he worships so when that happens when his daughter dies he decides to take it out not only on on his god of choice but on all the gods um, that's what we're dealing with. Thor, being technically the god of thunder, technically has has you know a stake in this fight. But he's also really concerned with his his one time girlfriend Jane Foster, mm. who when he shows up, he shows up at this place. Who's called- also Padme Amidala is. Fate would have it. Oh, we don't have time for this. You're right. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> so he shows up in New Asgard, which is essentially sort of this new tourist attraction where all the Asgardian kids and families And it's live. on Earth, right? It's on it's Earth. It's probably in Iceland it's, or something. Yeah, it's a very nice looking place. Uh, but he, he shows up there and discovers that his own girlfriend, Jane Foster, is now four. Ooh, that's got to be a shock. Yeah, he's, she's taken his hammer and he, she does cool superhero like things. things yeah so so these two stories sort of combine into this rambling story where eventually thor and thor must rescue a bunch of asgardian kids from gore so thor thor, thor and gore, thor and, gore. <laughs> and there are a couple goats too right screaming goats screaming goats that pull his sled or his boat or something <laughs> yeah. it's quite funny so we have the basic plot set up, and we don't want to say more lest we spoil anything. Lest we spoil. Big themes, big problems. Uh, both. Yeah? You know, I, I think that, that the themes here are, are really talking. It, there is a lot of love in here. You know, yeah. I mean, we're really talking about. Well, you get that even from the trailers. Yeah, you, you're really talking about Thor's relationship with Jane Foster. You're talking about uh, his relationship with himself, in a way. <laughs> you're also talking about his relationship with his hammer and space axe so there's some very clever moments where (laughs) the space axe feels like thor is you know trying to woo back his hammer but that's that's all beside the point and it's a little weird you also have um one of the heroes from from ragnarok valkyrie uh she is a lesbian in the in the original comics that comes forth in this in this iteration, too, she kisses a woman's hand. We hear about previous relationships that she has okay. very briefly. Also, Korg, the big monster Thor, guy. Thor, Gore, and Korg. Yes. There's, we'll just say that there's there's some underlying gay themology with, with Korg in play. So, Oh, man. I, everything I want to say is inappropriate right now. <laughs> You also have you also have uh, a scene where we see Thor from behind, completely undressed. Okay. Um, the violence, of course, in Thor, you you kind of know what to expect from right. these after twenty four Marvel movies. We're pretty much got that dialed in. Right? But you have these shadow monsters that are really super scary as well. Wow. So when you're talking about little kids, little kids especially because kids are being imperiled by these shadow monsters, it might be pretty extreme. 
Um, you have some language issues to deal with. And of course, because you're dealing with gods upon gods upon gods upon gods, you're dealing with some huge spiritual issues as well. Okay. Did the spiritual issues feel as big as or just different from some of the dark spirituality in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? It's a really interesting question. Uh, the the gods here are played for laughs. Okay. Um, which... The spirituality in Doctor Strange seemed pretty deadly it was serious pretty, it was pretty heavy this one is played for laughs okay. and that can cut one of two ways right right you can you can read this movie as making fun of transcendent spirituality completely these gods are stand in for the god now the the film actually makes an interesting turn and then it talks specifically about these created gods hmm meaning that there's something that created them. Okay. Um, you could also read this more along the lines of almost sort of like these these are Old Testament Baals and Dagons and whatnot that are that are fairly helpless and pretty mean-spirited, okay. um, very petty. You see a lot of petty, mean-spirited, and kind of frightened gods here. So if you look at it from a different direction, where Thor is really the only quote-unquote god who's trying to do anything, everybody else is sort of, you know, cowering in the, in the woodwork, you could make a statement that that's how we have always perceived these, these facsimile of gods. Hmm. So there's a lot to talk about here for families that can deal with a fairly considerable amount of content for a PG-13 movie. It is pretty heavy content. It really is. So so definitely check out, as always, check out the review before you go see this. There's a lot of content, but... If when you read the, the, the review, if you feel like your family can navigate it, there's also some interesting conversations to be had. All right. Thanks, Paul, for letting us know what's going on in Thor 11 Thunder. You bet. Well, now it's time for a part of our show we call Pop Culture Connection. And if this is your first time listening to the Plugged In Show, well, welcome. We are glad that you're here. Here's what's going to happen. Our producer, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Adam. Ashley is going to ask us each a question somehow connected to something in pop culture. And we each will have 30 seconds to come up with as many responses to her question as our, our little brains can come up with. Um, Jonathan, I hope that your brain is duller than usual this morning (laughs) because you have a special gift for this game that, well, the rest of us find quite annoying, but uh, anyway, that's not very sportsmanlike of me given our conversation (laughs) about sports earlier. So, uh, Ashley, I'm going to quit babbling like a minion, Absolutely. and you can take it away. Well, this is a fantasy sport in itself, isn't it? It, it? Is. It's wow. it is. It's own version. It could that. be. It's a bonding experience. Yeah. It is. All right. So, Paul, let's have you go oh, first. No. Oh, no. You can do this. No. You no. can do this. Ordinarily, Paul's the one who hates this game the most, but... Bob, you've been kvetching a little bit this morning. I've actually you've been kvetching a little bit, too. I've actually <laughs> always said that I love this game. You haven't. I have. Okay, right. you do. Are you ready? I yes. <clears throat> They're both considered oldies, but which do you like better, 50s music or 80s music, and why? Oh, 80s music by far. Because Prince, Cyndi Lauper, Michael Jackson, Bruce Springsteen, uh, the Bangles. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> That's a deep cut. Um, Madonna. Bon Jovi. 
not Bon Jovi, <laughs> but some people really do like him. The, the hair metal thing had a, it had some great variety, the arrhythmics, the whole British invasion thing. That was fantastic. Duran Duran, my wife loves Duran Duran. I don't understand why, but it shows the variety that you nice. get with the 80s. Oh, yes, I wish indeed. I would have gotten that question. That's I would have doubled your score. Good one. Not Bon Jovi. <laughs> Not Bon Jovi. I'm still living on a prayer, bro. All right. Paul set the bar pretty high. Nine oh. points. Oh, man. Woo. All right. You win. You got this. <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> All right. Let's see, Marcella. Let's have you go next. All right. Welcome to the table. Thank you. Yes. The rack. That's what we call it, the rack. <laughs> All right. That's what Here's you your call question. It. Think back to your childhood days. Probably not all that long ago, huh? All right. <laughs> it's closer for you, so you have a, you have an unfair competitive That's advantage. Right. What was advantage. your favorite TV show and why? Oh, I liked Arthur. I liked Blue's Clues for a little while. Um, what else did I? A Cyber Chase was a big favorite of mine. Learned some math through that one. A little older, really enjoyed Wild Kratts. Loved the animal animal stuff in that one. Uh, what else did I enjoy? Um, I think I liked the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse for oh, a while. Yeah? Mm-hmm. That classic theme song really got Mickey stuck Mouse in your head. Clubhouse. It's a rough one for parents, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to sing it. No, because I was all, thinking it. And then you, you always have to. You invited Every me time. in with your comment. Mm-hmm. I know I'm That's talking true. over everybody. I'm, you always contribute to everyone else's well, I'm a, answers. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a generous and gregarious fellow, Mr. Hoos. Yes, indeed. So no Barney. Barney was probably before your age, right? Actually. I think I did Barney a lot. That was just like the first show, so yeah. I didn't think of that. Do you want to sing? Because I was it? too far back. I feel like singing now. I, th- I think we're good. <laughs> I already did, so I'm good. Seven points for Marcel. Twice okay, I've yeah, sung. Bang. Ooh, good job. Very good. good. Who's next? All right, Adam. Let's All just right. have you go. We'll just go around the table today. I love it. All right. All right. This is a good one. Oh, good. Are you ready for this one? Yeah, I am. I'm in, I'm lis- I'm looking forward to what you have to say about it. The the reasons why. All right, I'm feeling pressure now. Who is cooler, Han Solo or Indiana Jones, and why? I think I have to go with Indiana Jones. I think he has more cool moments, like you know when he shoots the guy with the gun when he's swinging the swords around. I mean, it's just it's a ridiculous moment. I know I'm not getting very many points here, but <laughs> that scene alone perhaps makes Indiana Jones better than Han Solo. He doesn't like snakes, which is also unexpected. You know, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Reggie, there's a snake in my plane. I mean, it, yeah, you know, honestly, it was. I didn't do very well there, but it's okay. Well, it's and okay. you get minus points because, you know, the shooting of the person, that's not a very plugged-in answer. Yeah, content, mm. content. Yeah, yeah. Right. and the snake's Two. name was Violence. actually Reggie. His friend wasn't Reggie, just, you know. Oh, whatever. Just, you know. It's all good. <laughs> Reggie! I got three. Okay, three well, for you. we'll go with that. Yes. We'll go with that. Not I, bad. I feel like feels generous. You set the bar high, and I had a little bit of performance anxiety well, there. No worries. I mean, it's I'm trying to replay all of those scenes in my head simultaneously. And anyway, somebody sure. else, Bob. All right. Well, you see, now I, I think I ought to get a handicap and actually be able to pick my own question. That's what I think. <laughs> right. If you really want me to participate. Okay. Fine. All right, Bob. Okay. You're in an escape room. <laughs> Who would you rather have in the room with you? C-3PO and R2-D2 from Star Wars, Baymax from Big Hero 6, or Data from Star Trek, and why? Ooh. Hmm. 
Hmm, I, I, I guess I would go with, uh, with Data. Data is a very well-rounded individual and probably has a memory log of all kinds of, of information from mathematic equations to, uh, to history and, and other little artifact things, which are all in, a, in an escape room. I think, uh, I think I'd also, he would also be strong because of his personality, because he's always calm and direct. And he would... He would Okay, that's it. <laughs> that was a good answer, though. That it was, was a good answer. Well, thanks. That was thoughtful. Really good answer. So I good got job. three points that you've tied with Adam. Three. Good job, Bob. <laughs> you know, I got you like know? eight. That was a good answer. You got two and a half points, but that, you know, was wonderful. <laughs> but I counted like the seven or eight, Bob, for out the record. participation trophies for everybody. <laughs> there we yeah. go. There we go. All right. All right, Jonathan. Jonathan. Nine points, Jonathan. Nine yeah, I know. Points. There's, there's no competing with. All right. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to try. Who do you think is the best villain of all time and oh, why? That's a good question. It's definitely going to be Dr. Evil. And it's because he's funny. You know, uh, he's got his little animal there in his arms. It is awesome. Uh, he's got a little miniature of himself. Um, he's got, of course, people all around him. Uh, he sits at the head of a table. Uh, you know, he kills people at a whim like it's nothing. Um, uh, he's also got that little finger that he sticks in his mouth the way he does at one time. He's got the scars to prove that he's been there. <laughs> you forgot the most important one. He's, he's got sharks with laser beams. With laser beams. He's, he's a cool I still didn't villain. beat Paul, though. I, he's, he's a cool villain because he sits at the head of a table. Right, right. Absolutely. You know, yeah. We're not a value. It's a quantitative, you know, not a qualitative Paul value. Always <laughs> Paul didn't like it when I said that you could rake leaves by <laughs> casting a web over the ridiculous. entire yard and pulling them in. Come on. ridiculous, Jonathan. Well, I got nine <laughs> points for Jonathan, so Paul oh. and Jonathan are tied. Oh. Are we going to have job, a, guys. a pop culture off? No. Yeah. A pop off? A pop off? A pop off? <laughs> I, I say we it's just leave them tied and let them yeah, I think enjoy so. that victory. You're gonna I have think to, so. You're going to have to share the monetary prize. <laughs> if I only would have got sharks with laser beams, right. I could have had ten. Yeah. I hope you had breakfast. <laughs> Ty is like kissing your sister. I'm not happy. All right. It's, gonna get, it's just getting weird oh. now. So what we're going to do now is bring this episode of the Plugged In Show in for a landing. And if you're still with us, we thank you for spending some time with us today. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. You know, word of mouth today with so many options really is the best way to help us. So... We would love for more people to be able to engage with what we're talking about, and you can play a part in that. You can also leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you use. And we would love to hear from you. What did you think about our conversation about fantasy football, about Gru, about Thor, Love and Thunder? You know, which do you think is more important, Love or Thunder? You know, let us know. Give us... Give us your thoughts on that, and you can do that either via Facebook or Instagram, or shoot us an email at team at com. And speaking of that, we recently heard from Tom, who was responding to episode 131. That was a recent episode, and we talked about streaming alternatives. Ashley, our producer, has that letter, and it's short and sweet. What did Tom is. have to say? Tom wrote in, and he said, I can't believe you guys didn't talk about VidAngel filtering service. It works with streaming services also. 
Love your reviews and podcasts. Tom, that's exactly right. And VidAngel is indeed a great resource for filtering both content and they have a a growing category of their own original stuff as well. So thanks Mm -hmm. for getting in touch with us and and reminding us of VidAngel. And thanks as well to everyone listening today. We appreciate you. We love having a chance to connect with you each week. We hope that what we've talked about today is encouraging, inspiring, or equipping to you in some way and that uh, maybe you really enjoyed a particularly spirited installment of Pop Culture Connection. And we'll be back next week, and we hope you will join us as well for another episode of The Plugged In Show. Messing up at school can be embarrassing, but Average Boy is used to it. He tries, fails, and tries again, thanks to help from his friends Billy, Jenny, and Sarah. Join Average Boy in his very first fun-filled novel called Average Boy's Above Average Year. He deals with bullies, homework, and more, while following God and showing God's love to others. Check out this book, perfect for the 8 to 12-year-olds in your life, at AverageBoy.org. That's AverageBoy.org.